today specifically, well, I don't know if I can say specifically. I really don't know how my whole little format is going to be. It's very hard to stick to a topic I'm understanding, and I kind of understand how Pastor Zig just jumps all over the place because I made a whole bunch of different points, and then I'm like, okay, now how do I fit them together? So that was the big challenge. So I'm just going to go over a lot of little details and things I've learned just through my own personal testimonies. So as the only kind of topic, the header, I would say the title would be perspective through intercessory prayer, just because that's pretty much that works in my life a lot lately. Um, so first, I just want to go over a few points, and I think we're going to get out here quickly, I think. However, when I hit print, I had seven pages, so I don't know, but I'll stick to the time limit. So we're just going to go over a few points, and I honestly only have three, but they're just really long paragraphs. So it starts with Carolyn. So the whole intercessory prayer group, this seems very loud. I'm going to lower this a little bit. Is that weird? Okay. Um, I forgot this was recorded, so that's going to be on there too, huh? Great. So Carolyn started the group right when COVID started. And so all of us who first participated just equally felt a really strong urge when we were seeing everything go around, how the churches responded, how people at work responded. Everyone was freaked out. Everyone was in fear. Um, everyone was being pushed into really negative mindsets, and it was affecting every aspect of their life. And then we as Winter Church just got pushed into this uh, bubble of now we are stuck without a church, closed down, things like that. So it all started because we were seeing all these things around us. And I think each one of us felt a vital need for us to come together and have a communal prayer group just because we were seeing how lacking just in general most people, most people in the church just don't have that foundation. And so when push comes to shove, they may not be able to pull themselves out of the issues and the struggles and the attacks from the enemy, which is the whole reason why intercessory prayer is a thing. It's the whole reason God started it out, started out by saying, this is a vital part of you. you we, I want you to pray for each other and not just praying like, well, Lord, just bless them, but honest, spiritual, scripturally based, real prayers that you're contending for them, that you are praying them out of death because their life very well uh, be dependent on your prayers. If they can't do it for themselves, that's what we are here for. We stand the gap, not just for the people of the world when we're preaching salvation, but for each other as a family and as a church. So that's kind of how intercessory groups got started. It was uh, me, Carolyn, Ayla, Cherie, um, Rhonda. I think, Nakia, you were in a few of them, weren't you? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Talisha, you were part of that a little bit, I think, because it started out at the homes, and then we eventually switched to a whole crazy schedule, and now it's at 6.15 in the morning, so... Um, so we were really just trying to do our part in that beginning phases. So um, I'm going to go to James 5.16. Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual and fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So this scripture in particular has a lot of meat to it, I would think. I use this one a lot for a variety of different things. But specifically, pray for one another that ye may be healed is what we're going to focus on. But I do want to highlight the fact that the next part 
says, the effectual and fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We are righteous men. All of us in this room, everyone a part of Winner's Church are righteous men because the righteousness comes from Jesus Christ. It comes from his sacrifice. Once you accept salvation, you've been made righteous through Jesus. God doesn't see us for just us. He sees Jesus through us, and that's what causes us to be able to launch ourselves into the spiritual realm and build ourselves up with these principles. So we have to remember that our prayers are effectual because we are already made righteous. Then the next part is our fervent prayer, because it's not just enough to just say it one time and think it's done. Even if you believe it wholeheartedly, the thing that makes these scriptures active and the thing that causes revelation to spark within our lives is that consistent meditation on the word of God and on these truths, because we are human. We forget things all the time. We can say a scripture for one whole year, a couple years down the road. We may have been like, you know what? I forgot all about that scripture. This would have helped me a lot in this one situation because there's a lot going on. There's a lot of different things um, that pull on our attention on a day-to-day -day basis. So just making sure that you're making that time and really um, doing your part to fervently get in there and actually pray with the idea that your prayers mean something, that because you are righteous, that because you are fervently praying, because you're putting that time in and really communicating with God, every prayer you pray is effective, regardless of what it looks like for any other, any other person. That's what you're praying for. So we are instructed, this is point one, we are instructed to pray for one another and to pray scriptural prayers. So, like I said, we want to pray like that person's life depends on it. A lot of times when we're at the hospital, that's something that Ayla and Tyler experience all the time. People don't want just a blanket prayer. They want you to pray God into their situation, pray the very atmosphere of heaven into their situation because they're desperate, because people are broken, because people need hope. And we're not trying to just spread hope, but we're trying to spread faith, active faith that causes things to change, that causes a chain reaction in their family lives and breaks things off. So we want to be in that place of power. That's the whole point behind um, really standing in that authority and in that anointing with Jesus. So uh, the next part of this is um, oh, got distracted, my bad. So basically, we want to be in that, po uh, that point because the devil is out to kill us, steal from us, and to destroy us, which is John 10.10. If you're dead, that's one less vessel for God. That's one less thing that the devil has to worry about. If the devil can steal your word, that the word of God from you, then you're lost and rendered ineffective. If the devil can destroy everything around you, you'll be too busy mourning to contend in the faith. We need to be vigilant, 1 Peter 5, 8 through 10, be sober of spirit, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. And you guys can read the rest of that on your own time. I'll try to fast track things a little bit. So when I started first coming to Winner's Church, I really had no idea of the full measure and of wisdom and understanding that God desired for each and every one of us. I grew up in the church. I had seen my parents do outreach. We had those saints in the church that would um, interpret tongues, the wailing widows, as I would call them, because they would just break out and cry 
during worship and then interpret whatever tongue happened to be there. And I just thought, that's just something for the elders, for the experienced people. That's just, you know, that's, that's them. That You have to reach a certain level in your spirituality to get there. And it's just uh, religious mindsets like that that happen when you grow up in the church, which is why I really appreciate Winter's Church because we explain things. It's not just, oh, well, they're kids. They don't need to know these things yet. We actually are actively trying to teach our kids. This is what this means. This is why we do this. This is how you can do this. And so that's something a lot of churches really don't have. So that's something that um, Winter's Church is really awesome about. Just teaching and really having people understand how these things work is very important. Um, it wasn't until I started going actually to Judah Worship Center that I started to get an understanding of these things. But, you know, it only went so far. And then I came here. Yeah, they know that story. <laughs> As we all do. Moving on, moving on. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's like maybe 10, almost a quarter of the church at the time. Yeah. Um, so imagine my surprise coming here, knowing what I knew, growing up in church, when I started hearing things like, um, the Lord doesn't take people. And I'll explain that. So if you grew up in the church and the older church, you'll hear a lot of, well, the Lord must have needed another angel. Well, you know, sometimes we just have to labor and there's a reason that God didn't heal me yet or that God put this on me. Um, his will be, will be done in his timing. And there's more ways to phrase it. And some of those things are not technically wrong, but they're definitely out of context. And the thing about scripture is if you're not in context, you're going to miss out on the truth of what the word actually says. It's going to stir you off track. And we don't want to do that because then you get kind of flaky and nobody wants that. That's, that's not how this works. So my intimate family is made of five people. So you guys have pretty much all met them. My parents, my older sister, who we're praying on. She's also pregnant. Um, and then my older brother. And some of you, I think most of you know that I actually had another sister that was older than Cassandra. And she was my parents' first baby at a time where neither of my parents were saved. So a little before two years old, Rebecca was diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor. And I remember as a kid that we would always go to um, all these meetings. We would have people um, connected to the church or uh, somewhat related to the church, and when they lost a child, my parents would be on that team to go and minister to them because they're one of the few people in our congregation that had to go through that and battle through that. Uh, so when Rebecca was going through treatment, she would be hop hospitalized for a while, and surprisingly, well, not surprisingly, I guess this is really why hospital ministry is where it is. The church that we eventually started going to was doing a hospital ministry of sorts. So they came by and they were praying with my parents and ministering to them. And that is where my mom met her very best friend to this day, Sandy. And that's where my mom got saved. So they led her through the sinner's prayer during that time. And even if you're not a parent, I could not imagine going through all of that. But even there, God met them and God turned things around. And so um, even though... 
my sister ended up dying. And eventually my dad got saved through this because my mom really de devoted herself to the church after that time. Um, and even though God turned it around and he made it work for my family, he got my mom into church, eventually got my dad into church. All of us grew up in the church, made our own choices. Um, but that really, I, it gave me the opportunity to really um, develop my faith as a person. But the thing that a lot of people forget in times like these is God doesn't put sickness on people. And even though he's going to work things together for our good, that's not how he wants us to function. We don't always want to be in recovery mode. We don't always want to be banking on the fact that God's going to turn things around because he's given us more than that. He's given us the power to really step out and stop these things. And the truth is that my family was attacked by the devil. The devil was trying to kill us off. And thank God that he sent the church that he did that intervened at that time. But that wasn't the plan of God. And growing up, that was just something you kind of accept because in times like this, and I think maybe you guys have been there too, sometimes it's easier to accept those things, the things that the world gives us, the, the half-truth scriptures that are bringing comfort to us. Sometimes it's easier to accept that than to understand the truth of what, what's, what's happening, that we were under attack. And that was not the plan of God, but he did turn it around for us. And those uh, issues are hard to navigate. You'll find that at the hospital, too. You'll have people that are like, well, God, why did God do this? And the truth is that that's not what happened. The truth is they just were caught unaware of the true devastation that the devil's trying to cause to you. And how do you minister to people when the truth is that wasn't God? He didn't want that for you. When that's the only thing keeping them together right now, that, that um, anger and that upset attitude towards God is what's kind of getting them through those moments. So it's just, it goes back to knowing scripture and really making sure that we are doing our part to be guarded up in that and to get a true revelation about what the word of God is meaning into our lives and for other people. And the Holy Spirit is the person that's going to help us to navigate those situations. You're not going to be able to rip off band-aids every time. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to help you figure out the words to say. I remember one time Nakia was actually at the hospital with me and we had that situation. All Nakia had to do was like, I know it hurts right now, but do you mind if I give you a hug? And that broke her down. That allowed the Holy Spirit to do a work in her right then and there. And in that moment, she received a forgiveness towards God. And it changed her entire lifestyle. Of course, we didn't follow up after, but there's moments that you see God touch people and you know that without a doubt, there's a life change. You see it in their spirit. Their whole atmosphere changes. So just make sure that along with making sure that we're understanding scripture, that we're understanding the revelation behind it, we're praying these scriptures and allow the Holy Spirit to use those scriptures and use that knowledge to minister in a greater measure and to really affect people, not just to quote scripture, because we don't want to just quote scripture. That's not going to help anything. We, wanna, we want to have them enter into their own personal revelation of who God is and what that scripture means to them. God will always turn the situation around. But like I said, 
we want to make sure that we are actively utilizing his word. Um, Ephesians 6.12, I'm going to turn there in my little fakey Bibles. I have found out that um, I'm not any quicker at finding the scriptures on the online Bible. I don't know if that's everybody. That's me. That's me. Oh. So Ephesians 6.12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. We're not fighting against people. We're fighting against spirits. So this is why we have to make sure that we are guarding ourselves up in the spirit, in God's spirit. And then we're going to go to Romans 8.24 through 23, which was a little bit loosely quoted. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through world, world, wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that all things work for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Wow, I did skip down a little bit. All right, guys, we're on page three. We're doing pretty good. I'm also going to go to uh, Ephesians 6.13 real quick since I got this out. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. I love that they make a point specifically to stand, because I think that's so powerful, because really, when you're going through it, it takes everything in you to stand sometimes. And it's just so great that God has given us all these spiritual giftings, and he says, you know what, I know it's hard. I know you're going to need these plates, and I know you're going to need these guards and these shoes. So just trust me and let me work in you, and I'm going to help you stand and keep standing. That was a side note. God sees us in our truest forms. When we are broken, when we are joyful, when we're desperate or full of passion, he loves us so much that he sacrificed his only son, and even then, he contends with us daily. He's deeply concerned for our well-being. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares upon us, upon him, for he cares for you. Care means the provision of what is necessary for health, welfare, maintenance, and protection of something or someone. Serious attention or consideration applied to doing something correctly or to avoid damage or risk. So that is what God means by cast all of your cares because I care for you. All of that is how God cares for you and even more. God is love. He loves us bigger than we can comprehend. We can't distort the will of God to make us feel better or less responsible for our duty to stay alert. We have to change our perspective to create the atmosphere of active healing, not recovery. Although recovery will happen because again, God does work all things for the good of us. 
We want to walk by faith and not by hope, and faith is now, so that's what we want to do. We want active healing to be working in our lives, and that overflow of healing and that overflow of revelation to hit each and every person we minister to. We have to start guarding ourselves up in the principles of God now, because if you don't have that solid foundation or that revelation of healing when sickness comes, it's going to be a lot harder to push back. Creating that mindset of, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me, is hard enough without the devil shooting arrows at you. And it's only hard because it requires conditioning. You don't become an Olympic athlete overnight. It requires planning and vision and goals and sacrifice and schedules. You start small and you build your body up. You change your diet. You change your uh, lifestyle choices, and you put yourself in conditions where you're specifically forced to keep your body pushing, to, to have your body push through those painful situations. It's not easy. We've all seen the Olympics. They're put through serious conditioning, and it's not fun all the time. It's painful, and it causes a lot of stress on their body. That's why a lot of people don't make it to the Olympics, because their body may give out before they even have a chance to get that far. These principles work the same in our spirit man. But luckily for us, we have a little extra grace through the Holy Spirit that helps push us along and take on the brunt of all of that trouble. Our perspective will often cloud our revelation of who God is and how he works. It's very easy to be pushed off course when we are battling in pain or battling our emotions. Another reason we need people around us that will pray heaven down around us and for us. And that's where it starts to be um, the, the grinding. The grinding happens because you're going through all these things and you don't, you don't have a support system. That's why it's so important for us to be um, pulled up in church and really... Um, reach out to our leaders, to our elders, to our deacons, to our pastors. And a lot of tricks of the devil are to get us in a position of solitude because it's a lot easy for him to talk to us when we're by ourselves than when you're surrounded by a group of Holy Ghost-filled people. So we want to make sure that we know who to reach out to when we're going through a battle. I will do it. I pray for you guys all the time. Rhonda, Nakia, everyone in this room, I guarantee you, if you uh, call them up and say, you know what, I'm battling through something, I don't want to get into details, but I just need your prayer, without a doubt, they're going to pray. And it's not just that blanket prayer, it's an honest, heartfelt prayer, because we love each other. The next thing I want to talk about a little bit is, it's not your fault that the people we love are going through a battle. And I think, especially as intercessors, this is something that we battle with subconsciously. It's not our power that changes things or creates change. It's God's power. Our job is to plant the seeds. Our job is to say the scriptures and get that revelation to that person, to minister, to disciple. But the actual changing part we can't hold that to our standards. We can't feel guilt or shame because people are not receiving a revelation. That's, that's far beyond what we were called to do because you can't change people's mind on yourself. 
you can't expect that one meeting with somebody and they're automatically going to be on your mindset. That's just not how people work. They have to get there on their own. But we're going to be there to support them and guide them and pray over them, specifically revelation power, for them to get that understanding and push themselves into the position of reaching and grabbing onto healing. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, our next one. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest upon me. Then we're going to go back to Ephesians, which is clearly one of my favorite books. Uh, Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at, is at work with us. And I'm going to finish that. To be to him be glory in the church and Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And then we're going to go to 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And back to Ephesians. Ephesians 6.10. In truth, I'm using pretty much the entire chapter 6 almost. It's just all in mismatched order, so... If you are wondering why we keep going back and forth, that's why. <laughs> Finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. God never intended for us to fill our calling in our own might. That is crazy. We are not God, but he does, not, but he does give us the power to get things done. When we pray and minister to people, it's our job to plant the seed, like I said. God is the Lord of the harvest. Matthew 9, 38. As long as we are positioning ourselves to keep healthy perspective, to be fully immersed in his spirit, and correctly lined up with scripture, our prayers will work. So the main question is, how do we make sure we're doing all of that? Simple answer, we do it through the Holy Spirit, and there is a great prayer, Ephesians 1, 17 through 23, specifically for spiritual wisdom which we all pray a lot. Um, and it's such an important one, especially for new believers, even whenever you're going through the basics, because sometimes we need that reminder. You know what? God gave us the spirit of wisdom. There is no reason that we walk around confused or questioning things. I mean, it, it's going to happen, but we don't have to be fearful when that happens because we know that he's going to provide for us and guide us through that without any um, issues. So we want to pray that specific one if you are uh, struggling with really how to navigate healing, with how to navigate praying for others or to minister on any level. Pray that prayer until you get the revelation you need to get the job done. And so often that's where we kind of falter because we don't want to keep going back and back and back 
but it's just like school. Those tests are to show us what we're lacking. And when we find out what we're lacking, it's our job to go in and really build ourselves up on those things. Um, it's the same in the natural as it is in the spirit. You know, you can be so guarded up on financial prosperity and understanding um, how God wants to move through your finances that when a cold comes, you forget, you know what? I haven't really been giving my all into healing. I haven't really um, let God be my healer. I've just been going through the allergy medicine. I've just been grabbing medicine and just keep on trucking. And it's at those times, even something as small as that will be like, you know what? I'm going to hold off on taking that medicine. I'm really going to pray through this. I'm really going to work on getting that revelation. And it's just about being fully rounded in each and every aspect of our life. Um, that's, the main, that's the thing that I think is harder to do because it requires a lot more attention. And it requires us to really focus on a lot of different areas. And I think, I don't know who it was. It could have been Hilda. Someone would take like one day and be like, this is healing and this is um, power through God day. So this is what I'm going to focus on today. And then the next day it was all about financial prosperity. It might not have been Hilda. You guys would know more than me. Um, and then the next day after that, it would be um, my authority as a believer. And so they would take each and every day and just study specific things. So by the end of the week, they're fully guarded up on each and every subject. That takes time. I'm going to be honest. I don't put that much time into it. I should. I really want to. But this is where we can help each other out. Because a lot of times I know I gravitate towards certain areas that I always struggle with. And so when something random happens, I'm like, ooh, yeah, I don't got a scripture for that. Come back to me later. <laughs> let me, let me, let's Google it together, shall we? Let's just study together. Um, and I would love to be at the place where I'm like Rhonda and she's like little Pastor Mikey just whipping out scriptures willy-nilly for every single occasion, <laughs> which is great. It's great. It's super encouraging. Point three. I don't know. Did I specify point two? I might have just glazed past that one. My bad. <laughs> Let me go back. Let me go back. Guys, we made it to point three, and it's only 739. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, point two was it is not in our power it's not our power that creates change, it's God. I promise I wrote these myself, but reading them back gets me a little bit mixed up. Um, point three is pray for a revelation on what that person needs to receive the healing. And this is something that was incredibly profound to me as I was really learning about God working healing through us as believers. Um, God's word does not return void. So when we're reading Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. That is a concrete truth. That is a concrete thing that we can stand on and believe. We don't have to wonder if God wants us healed. He sacrificed his son so we would be healed. And when we pray for healing, we don't have to beg God that's, that's vitally important. We never have to beg God. And a lot of our power comes from that confidence in his scripture and his word. But it was God's idea in the first place to give us all these things. Healing, financial prosperity, good friends and family to surround us. He wants us to be in a place of power and authority and love. 
So we don't have to beg for these things. We just need to receive them. And if you're having trouble receiving them, again, ask God what things are getting you hung up on receiving these things that he's already given to you. It's like um, if you have a homeless person and you want to go out and give food to people. I saw this video and this lady was asking, do you want a cupcake or do you want a brownie? And he's like, I'll take whatever you want. No, 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 I don't want to give you just whatever. I want you to tell me what do you want and I will give it to you because you have a choice and your word is powerful and you matter. So you tell me which one you want and then he makes a choice. And it's just, it's kind of like that. We want to, um, we don't want to just beg God just for anything to happen. We want his perfect will and we want to be established in that perfect will. And part of that does come from just being confident, knowing that he's already provided these things for us. He has given us a full list of benefits in Deuteronomy 28, 28, full list of benefits. Psalms 91, full list of benefits. We never have to wonder if these things should be working in our lives. We already know. So if you're in that position of you're like, well, I'm not, I'm just not seeing a breakthrough. Pray for revelation. Have God really talk to your heart and tell you, okay, these are the things. You, you may have to forgive this person. You may have to stop talking to your boss crazy. <laughs> it could be anything. But that could be hindering you from really pushing in there and receiving all these benefits. Um, so back to, that was a tangent too, but praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> so um, we just need to receive it. And this goes to a testimony of mine. Um, so I had a friend in high school, middle school, and her name was Bianca. And some of you may remember her because we prayed for her a lot. So Bianca um, had always battled with some sort of mental oppression. She uh, would cut herself, herself a lot, and she would, that emo phase for her was a lifestyle. It wasn't just a phase. It was an, a literal attack from the enemy. And so we often had to just watch her, and, you know, if we saw a lot of marks or something, we would, uh, one of our friends would text her mom and just just so you know, like, we just want to make sure because we cared about her. And we know that uh, that's, that's a serious thing. Even at a young age, like, if you're causing harm to yourself, something's not right. Something's not okay. And we really wanted to prevent any further harm. Um, so she eventually got some relief from that. She ended up transferring to a different high school. But um, I think her aunt got her into church, and she got saved. And so she, she got broken out of all of that. Thank God. So a few years after I moved to Oklahoma, it was about 2017, um, I got a message from one of our friends, our mutual friend. And she was saying that, you know what? Oh, and during high school, Bianca was diagnosed with cancer. She ended up actually losing her leg. They had to amputate her whole leg up to about here because the cancer had just taken over and they didn't want it to spread. So at 15, she had one missing leg. And if you remember being 15, it wasn't a great time most of the time. So imagine not having a leg on top of that. Um, and she had just gotten free from all this other mental oppression. So it was honestly, um, and I didn't even realize it at the time, the devil was attacking her constantly, huge events. 
but you know her family was there to support her she was getting help she was saved she was going to church consistently she was in remission after they amputated so everything was great for a long time she was doing good she got her boyfriend and everything was great but um, in 2017 I got a text from one of my friends and she she was saying you know what we need to pray for Bianca because um, her tests from the doctor came back a little weird so they're worrying that the cancer came back so this was when I was already at Winter's Church. We were going through Bible studies like none other. So I was ready. Like, I was just like, you know what? Don't worry about it. Pastor Zig said this. We have healing room this day. We have Bible study this day. I got it. I have everybody on call. I had everybody praying for her every single time we met up. It was great. Um, and so I was pretty fired up. And I'm like, bet. We got it. So um, after a few weeks, turns out her test came back uh, bad. So she was diagnosed with cancer again. It came back. And this time it was a little further up. I think it was a little more, I don't know where specifically. I want to say more in this area, um, in her chest, more like lung cancer. But I didn't know for sure. I don't know for sure what it was. Um, and so at that time, I was pretty fired up. So I was praying for her. We were talking. Um, I would send her the healing room scriptures and the, the videos every single time we met up. And so um, everything seemed okay. But then after like, I think it was like a month or two, I was like, Lord, why isn't she healed? Because by this point, I'm like, we're saying the scriptures. We have pretty much the whole church praying for her. Um, I know she's saved, so she, 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 she wants this. So why, why, is, why is it taking so long? Why are, why are not we not seeing the radical healing that we've been preaching about and talking about and declaring over people? Why, why am I not seeing that? And I was honestly a little frustrated because, and I think we've all been at that point where you're praying and you're contending for something and you're in the natural. You're not seeing what's supposed to be there. It's something's not clicking and you don't know what to do. Um, and so... I was talking to him, and I was frustrated to the point where I literally took, like, a day, and I was fasting, and I was praying, and I was like, I'm getting my answer. This is happening. I need to know right now what's going on, because how are we supposed to grow if we can't see these healings? And so I was kind of on a tangent. I was being a brat, but, you know, you get, you get some answers when the Lord has a lot of grace for us. So finally, he spoke to me, and... It was like a few hours in, and I remember him saying so clearly. And this, I think everyone here, I, I'm pretty sure, there are those times when God speaks so clearly to you that it's just like not just a knowing, but it just radiates throughout your entire body. It's a resonating understanding that this is God, this is his answer. Like there is nothing, to this day, it was one of the most powerful times God had spoken to me. And he said, it is every intention for me for her to receive her healing. Everything you're saying is correct. This is what I want for her. So I heard that and I'm like, praise the Lord. We were partying. I, I think I actually messaged you guys um, right when it happened, I'm like, 
this is what God said. I know this is what God said, and I'm just so happy. And so we were just praising. And so even at Healing Room, even though she was still going to the hospital, even though she ended up getting um, hospitalized for a pretty extended stay, like, that word was all I needed to know. I'm just like, doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter at this point when it happens or how it happens or what happens. I'm believing she's healed and her leg's going to grow back because that was also when we were talking about extra legs in storehouses or extra body parts. So I'm like, I don't want to just see the, the cancer gone. I want her legs to grow out. I want all the scars removed, all of it. And so there is not, in me, I knew that was the plan of God. So fast forward a little bit. Um, I was still super pumped up. This is probably now, who maybe like four months, four or five months down the road, and I knew she was hospitalized. I was still messaging her all the, every week when we had a Bible study, sending her the recordings and all that. Um, and then one time, I sent it on like a Friday night, and I got a text back from one of our other friends, and she's like, hey, uh, Bianca's mom has her friend, and she can't, she can't talk right now. And I'm like, Okay, which was weird, but I didn't think anything crazy about it because I'm like, oh, that's weird. But, you know, hospitals be hospitaling. I don't know. So um, I didn't think not one thing about it. And then the next day they messaged me and Bianca had passed away in the night. And it was very peaceful. Her family was all around her. She got to say goodbye to everyone. She was not in pain anymore. And... uh, For me at that time, it was just a shock to my entire system because when you get that word and we've all had that word that this is the will of God and then in the natural, that didn't happen because I'm like, what happened? Like I was so shocked. I don't even think I could talk at the time. I just sent out a message and I'm like, let's pray for me because I'm really disappointed right now. Um, And I just let everybody know that she had passed away. And so it was just so crazy. I couldn't even pray at that time because it was that big of a shock to me. So I just went to sleep. (laughs) And then church was the next day. This was Saturday. So church was on Sunday and it was in the evening. So I had enough time during the day to like mentally prep myself for seeing people. And then uh, Marissa came in. She's like, is she safe? I'm like, just off the record. Um, and so she was, I was just like, she was, but then sometimes you start to doubt yourself, like, was she, what happens then? So you don't want to do that. So, and then Rhonda was praying for me, Nikia was praying for me, pastor prayed for me, and, um, but it was just so unsettling to me in myself. Like, I could have received all the praying of the world, but I'm like, no, I need that answer. I need to know. I need to know what happened, and so, again, I went to God, and I took, I took off that Monday so I could stay home and just pray and really um, get myself into that position. And I was really contending and just like, God, I need answers. I just, I don't know what to do at this point. Like, how do you go on from there? Like, what do you do when everything you thought was going your way and then all of a sudden it just gone? And I know what God said. There was no mistaking that. And so I was so conflicted. And so I was just praying and praying and then, Again, after a few hours, he was like, everything you said was right. There's nothing you could have done differently. I said what I said, and I intended her for her to be healed fully, completely. That was my plan for her. 
but she was tired and she was ready to go home. And that was something that floored me and changed my entire outlook on healing. Because it comes to a point where you as a believer, we, we, we always see those meetings and people will come up and they're, they're desperate for God to do something. We see people at the hospital, they're desperate, they're pulling, they're like, if you don't do something for me now, I have no other option. And a lot of the times that's where we see those miraculous healings, but what do you do? When your believer, your friend, someone you've been contending for is like, just take me home, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And I can't imagine what it was like for her. It, I know it was exhausting. Because a lot of us have friends and family members that have been diagnosed with cancer and tumors and these terminal diseases. And you can see the labor and the strain that they go through every single day. And her being so young, seeing her family stressing and mourning and praying over her all the time. And it works on you, especially since the devil has, you went from cutting yourself, having to have your leg amputated, then the cancer came back. That's a lot for someone who's my age. It's a lot. Before she was even 25. This is all the things that she was going through. And so for me, I had a little bit of peace knowing that that was her choice. And it's a hard choice to make. It's hard for us, especially for faith-believing people, to accept that someone would just say, no, I don't want, I don't want healing. I just want to go home. But I get it. I understand. Because... On a, a lower sense, we're, we've all been there before. We've all been in that place, even if it's not to that extreme. Lord, I'm done. I can't. I can't do this anymore. I, if you don't do something now, I just, I'm just going to sleep. I'm just going to lay down and let life happen because this is hard. And so I think we can all relate to a measure. But that's something that was so profound to me because it really did teach me that People need that revelation, that even when we're praying for people, that is why it's so important to pray specifically, Lord, give them a revelation. Whatever it is that they need to receive your healing and to receive your wisdom in this moment, give that to them. Because what you would say to me is different than what you would say to them. I can pray every scripture that pulls me up and out every single day all over them. But that's a different person. That may not work for them. In this case, Bianca just wanted rest. So it was up to her, and it was up to her and God. And you can, you, you'll be in that position sometimes, I think. You may have already. Um, and so it's just very important to listen to God and listen to the Holy Spirit. And if you are in that position where you're like, I'm not understanding what's happening here, let him know. Get into that mode of you may not need to fast. You may just need to sit down and pray for a few hours, maybe even five minutes, and he'll give you your answer. But just developing that relationship where in your deepest time, in the time where you're most confused or conflicted, or you see people around you struggling, just ask God, okay, whatever it is that they need, give that to them. But for me personally, I just need to, I just need to understand what is it that you want me to do in this moment? How do you want me to pray? How do you want me to comfort them? 
And a lot of times, that's going to be where the power comes in. That's going to be where, where you're humbling yourself to the point where you can really speak into their life, not for you, not for your benefit, not because you want to just mark somebody off your prayer list, but because you really want God to do what he needs to do. And sometimes that may be giving them rest. Sometimes that may be giving them healing. The latter is preferred, especially for us, because we don't want the people that we love and are contending for to go before their time. And that was the other thing he told me. She was ready, but specifically, he said, she was ready, but she was not finished. And that is vitally important for us as believers. We can go through our life and we can do everything we think to do for God. But if we're not submitting ourselves to his perfect and true will, we are not going to finish the way that he intended. We can leave, but we're not going to be finished. And that's where she was at, which is okay for her. We have that option. God has given us a free will. He's not going to hold you outside the gates of heaven because you didn't complete each and everything on his list. Because that's not how salvation works. It's not, it's not a number system. Of course, that's the perfect will, but God always has a backup. He knows we're not going to do everything at once. That's the perfect will, but there is a permissive will of God. And unfortunately, a lot of the times that works a little bit more frequently in us, our loved ones, than we would like. And so just knowing the difference between um, what people need and what you're needing at that moment is very important, especially for intercessory prayer. And I know we're about healing, but intercessory prayer is all about healing. It's, it's one of the main things people need, even if it's not a physical healing, mental healing, financial healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing. It all falls under the category, even if it looks a little different for each person. So we want to make sure that each of these things is how we are addressing um, how we get into our prayer closet, what we say and how we act. Um, I do have one more scripture, uh, one more testimony, but I don't think we'll quite have time for that. So I'm just going to go through um, the ending notes. Um, me personally, sometimes I get tired of seeing the setbacks and the struggles. And I think a lot of us do sometimes. I get frustrated because I am ready to see those people walk in their healing. But don't be discouraged don't let discouragement change your intentions. Be persistent in your prayers. Our words need to be positive and remind us and others of God's goodness and who he is. And I do have a few scriptures about God's goodness, and I'm just going to say those real quickly. Um, and then I'm pretty much about done. I think we're on like page five now. Well, look at that. I can talk, guys. Um, well, actually, I think I have this all pulled up for us. Chronicle, First Chronicles 16.34, and these are all thanks to God because a lot of times our healing will come in our praising because we are faithful people, faith is now. So as we are praying, as we are seeking out God, we are praising him for the healing that he's already done and receiving it. So, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Then we're going to go down to James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and come comes down from the Father of lights, 
with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Matthew 7, 11, If then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven will give good gifts to those who ask him? Psalms 145, 5-7, I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. Praise and prayer go, go hand in hand. When you pray, we praise God for the healing each and every single time. And then my last scripture is Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your goodness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So those are my last scriptures. Um, my last few notes here, and then I'm done, because I think this mic's cutting out now. Last words, and then I'm for, for, for sure, for sure done. Stay steady. Tuck yourself under the leadership of the church. We kind of mentioned that. God has an order of authority to protect us. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. Just kidding, I have one more scripture. We can't lead people out of, dick, uh, out of sickness if we're running around acting crazy. If you have questions, seek wise counsel. The pastors, elders, deacons, we are all here to serve, and we have been put in place specifically to serve. See yourself the way God sees you. We have I am scriptures that we read almost every day in prayer. Be confident in who God created you to be. Stay in the spirit. Find whatever works for you. The world would say go to your happy place. For us, we would just go to a place in the spirit. So whether it's listening to certain songs, reading certain scriptures, all of that, find what works and stay in the spirit. Take it one day at a time and one scripture at a time. Start building your arsenal. You don't have to be the mightiest scripture reader all in one day. And then the last one is build an inner storehouse of revelation, which Pastor Zig has been preaching about, which however that works for you, whenever you do get your revelation, write them down or make a prayer board. We did a vision board. Um, you want to make sure that you're diving into the words that pastor gives you and that God gives you specifically. Don't forget those things. There, there's scriptures about the Holy Spirit bringing things to your remembrance. Remember each and everything that he's told you and really dive into that. If you're not sure what that, that word means, what that, what that um, thing that he's told you means, then just really meditate on that. Get in there and find out because that could be the difference between walking in the permissive will and walking in his perfect will. Allow time for the, Holy, for the Lord to speak to you every day. When ministering healing, it's not about being at the right place at the right time because every day is the day the Lord has made. He's with us always, so that power is with us always. It's about allowing the revelation of his word to grow so that in every situation, the power of God is working through us. Things will break because they have to. Nothing can stand against the name of Jesus. And with that, I will bid you adieu. I am absolutely done. Um, I, I, do I need to say anything else for the recording? 
Ayla has something to say. So as usual, we will be at the hospital tomorrow as well as Friday. I definitely encourage if you are a teacher at Healing Room, you should probably be praying for the sick at some point, and we give you a great opportunity tomorrow night at 7. <laughs>